Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear saints, Jesus comes to the disciples and he gives them these wonderful gifts. He says, peace be with you. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven, but if you do not forgive the sins of any, they are withheld. He gives to the disciples this peace that surpasses all understanding, this peace unlike the world And he gives the authority to forgive and retain sins. And then he says at the end of all of it, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, the reason why Jesus has come to the disciples there in that room is to dispel their fear. The disciples are all gathered. They're locked in a room and they are afraid. They are afraid of the Jews. They've seen what they did to Jesus. Their Jesus, the same Jesus who had healed many, the same Jesus who had forgiven sins, the same Jesus who had even raised the dead, this Jesus who had time after time slipped right through their hands, they finally got him and they killed him. And they're not sure whether or not they're going to be next. So there they are, huddled in fear behind locked doors in this upper room. And so Jesus comes, and the first thing he says to them is this, peace be with you. And he shows them his hands and his side, and they're glad. And then he says it again, peace be with you. In this, this peace and this forgiveness dispels the disciples' fear, or at least it should have. But there they are again, a week later, gathered, huddled all together behind locked doors again. This time, Thomas is with them. He was strangely absent the first time, getting groceries or running errands or something. We don't know. They had told Thomas about what had happened, and he didn't believe. He said, unless I put my hands into the marks of the nail and the spear, I will never believe. And so there he is with them, all huddled again in fear, locked in a room, Now, we normally talk about this text as Jesus coming to give certainty to Thomas, that he is, as we call him, doubting Thomas. But we miss the other side of this, that there are the disciples gathered in fear again. And Jesus has to come and tell them the same thing he told them the previous week, peace be with you. It is not just Thomas who is doubting It's all the disciples. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there again behind locked doors. Thomas would be by himself behind the locked doors. But Jesus, in his mercy, he shows up again, and he speaks the words to them again, peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas and he says, behold my hands, behold my side. And Thomas gives this great confession, my Lord and my God. 
And then Jesus gives to him this rebuke and to us this promise. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so, a couple thousand years later, here we are, gathered on the first day of the week, maybe with the doors locked, I don't know. And we are gathered here, maybe not entirely in fear, but if we're honest, we have fear mixed with our joy and our gladness and our peace. But unlike the apostles, Jesus does not just come strolling in through the wall and stand in our midst and say, peace be with you. For us, Jesus is ascended to the Father. For us, we are not waiting for him to come strolling in as though he's been hiding in the closet or something. For us, we are waiting for Jesus to return on the great and glorious day to usher in the new heavens and the new earth and the eternity to which he's promised. Jesus, for us, is not standing out on the street corner. He's not popping into your living room in the middle of movie night. He's not strolling up and down the aisles of the grocery store. He's not sitting in a boat on the lake. He's not in the stands at a football game. He's not here, at least not in the way that he was for the disciples. And yet, in the midst of that, he tells us that we are more blessed on account of that. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus says that we are more blessed than the apostles gathered there in that upper room, that we are more blessed than the hundreds that he will appear to later, that we are more blessed than those who are gathered as witnesses of his ascension to the right hand of the Father, that we are more blessed than all the disciples who wandered around with him during his earthly life. But that's not really the question. The question is whether we believe that word of Jesus or not. The question is whether or not we believe that we are, in fact, more blessed, that Jesus does know what he's talking about when he says that to us. Or have we perhaps attached our feeling of blessedness or our thinking of our blessedness to the things that we can see? We have all these temptations that we think that we are blessed if the Lord has given us all sorts of stuff in our life. To which we might just ask the question, the hard question, what about the poor? What about those who do not have the earthly possessions that we do? Are they not blessed by the Lord on account of that? We might think that as a congregation, we are blessed if we are surrounded by lots of children running around, to which we might just ask the question, well, what about the congregation who is all 50 and up? Are they not blessed by the Lord then? We might think that we are personally blessed if we have good health. But what about the man lying in the hospital bed with terminal cancer, or some other ailment? Is he then, in that situation, not blessed? We might think just broadly that we are blessed as a church if we have lots of people showing up to hear the Lord's word and rejoice in his mercy. 
But what if you showed up and you were the only one here and it's just you and the pastor? Are you then not blessed because it's just you? Now, certainly, all of these things are in themselves blessing. Children are a blessing. People coming to hear the gospel is a blessing. Good health, possessions, those are blessings. But that's not where our blessedness resides. That's not what defines us as having been blessed by the Lord. So we can ask this this question, just to put this in our minds, put ourselves into this hypothetical situation, and see what our response is to it. Let's say you show up for church, and you walk in to find out that you're the only one there. And you go through the service, just you and the pastor, and then you walk back out to the parking lot only to find out that your car's been stolen, and the pastor's already left. And so you've got to walk home. Your cell phone was apparently in the car, so you can't call anybody. So you've got to walk home, and you get home only to find out that you had an electrical short, and all the wiring in your house is bad now, and it's got to be replaced, and the fridge overheated and the freezer overheated and so all of your food has spoiled and you walk down in the basement and you had a pipe burst and your basement is flooded and you walk out, go to the neighbor's house to use their phone to call and start the long task of repairs. And as you're walking, you stumble and you trip and you break your ankle and you end up in the hospital. And while you're in the hospital, the doctors find a tumor that they had previously not seen and you have cancer. And you're lying there in the hospital bed, all these things haven't, haven't, having happened over the course of one day, seemingly your entire world falling apart in one day, do you consider yourself blessed? And if not, why? What in particular has been taken from you that is so important so irreplaceable, so eternally valuable that you should consider yourself to no longer be blessed. If we're honest and we hear through that situation and we think through it, we get to the end and we're lying there in the bed and we're not so sure. Which is part of the reason why Jesus gives us this corrective. Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed. Why is it that Job, in the midst of everything being stripped from him, can say at the end, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord? Why is it that Paul can say, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why is it that the saints regularly look to the Lord in the midst of their fallen physical states and say that they are blessed? And why is it that you can say the same? Because you have the same thing they do. You have that which truly makes you blessed, regardless of what your physical circumstances may be. You, dear saints, like all those in the scriptures and all those who have come before us, you have the precious gifts of God, which surpasses the wealth of all of creation. 
You have the words and promises of God who give to you this declaration. You are blessed. In spite of any physical appearances to the contrary, that you are blessed because of the birth and life and death and ascension and resurrection of your Jesus for you. That you have the word of God that has declared to you that you are at peace with God because your sins are forgiven. You have the word of God that declares to you that you are God's beloved child in your baptism. You have God's word that declares to you that he is not against you or your enemy, but that he is your savior, that he fights for you against all of your sins and against the devil and against the grave, and he destroys it all for you. And so you lay there in this hypothetical situation, and we can ask then these follow-up questions. Do you still belong to your Lord Jesus? Do you still have as your chief possession the precious word of God? Do you still have all of your sins forgiven? Has Jesus' blood still covered you? Are you still a blessed heir of heaven? Do you still have faith created and sustained in hearing? Are you still engraved upon the palms of our Lord's sacred hands? Are you still baptized? Is your name still written by the Lord himself into the book of life? Do you still have the promise of the inheritance laid up for you, which is imperishable and undefiled and unfading and kept by the Lord himself for you until that great and awesome day? And is Jesus still coming back for you on the last day? And if the answer to those questions is yes, which, spoiler alert, it's all yes, then you, dear saints, are blessed. And in fact, as Jesus has said, more blessed than the apostles huddled in fear and locked in a room because you have something that can never be taken from you. You have your Jesus who's been born for you. You have your Jesus who has lived for you and who has suffered for you and who has died for you and who has been raised for you and who has ascended for you and who prays for you and who is coming back for you. And no sin, no devil, no circumstances in life, no series of unfortunate events, none of these can take that from you. For I am certain that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor power, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You are blessed, dear saints, not because you have seen, but because you have heard. Peace be with you. You are blessed, not because you have seen, but because you have heard. Your sins are forgiven. You are blessed, not because you've seen, but because you have heard. You are blessed. And Jesus does not lie to you. How blessed are they who have not seen, and yet whose faith has constant been, for they eternal life shall win. Alleluia. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.